It's been great hearing Alex Pye's voice all the live long morning. She's had a couple of guests in as well. Worth listening back to that show. And uh, if you want to check out any of the songs she played throughout the hour, it's always up there on the programs and playlists page. So just go on the FBI Radio website. And that last song was by Methyl Ethel, and it was a fantastic one. And they're playing this Thursday at the Newtown Social Club. Probably worth keeping that in mind if you liked what you heard. So today on Out of the Box, I've got Jo Wallace, first off, who is a journalist, a PR guru and a photographer. She's, she's lived in Newtown with its various characters for 20 years. And one day she started a little project. So she'd stop people in the street and interview them about their lives and take a photo. They'd then appear on a blog and then on a Facebook page called Humans of Newtown. And thousands of people would see their mug and hear their story. Which brings me to my other guest, Heidi Hayden. So Heidi Hayden's a motorcycle enthusiast with a custom-made three-wheeler. Heidi was a hairdresser becoming a salon manager when some idiot made the decision not to give her right-of-way around the roundabout. And uh, now hairdressing is kind of out of the question, so she's gone down a totally different career path, which is how Heidi met Joe. So welcome on Out of the Box, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. So how did you meet? What was the first time you met? um, (laughs) So we actually met through work. Um, yeah. through a project that we were both working on called Bay Street Smart and Heidi was a speaker at the event and I was doing some PR for the event and um, yeah, that was kind of the first time we met. Yeah, I think, I think yeah. the first email was like, I'm doing a media release, can I put your photo in and send me all your photos and all that kind of stuff yeah. and I was like, okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> your official introduction. Yeah. So yeah. You're, you're talking at B Street Smart for what reason? What, what gives you the... Uh, the right to talk to kids about being street smart. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But what I like, what I like to think it is, is, you know, like I, I'm just trying to promote road safety, and like I'm kind of there to say, don't, you know, it doesn't mean you can't do whatever you want and have fun. It's just make smart choices, and you know, when you're on the road, just think about what you're doing because mm-hmm. this can happen. And even though I get on with life, it's it's more about not losing sight of what I've lost and what I had to give up in my life. So hopefully they take something from it. Yeah. And you might have spotted, if you were looking at the Humans of Newtown website, you might have spotted a photo of Heidi. She had purple hair, tattoos and a wheelchair. <laughs> and uh, it's a, a resplendent photo. And you kind of, in that, you talked a, a bit about um, you know, the anecdote was a bit kind of about the anger, the anger that kind of followed the the accident and having someone who had no remorse, I guess. So what, what with, with the anger that followed the accident, how did you kind of get over that? Like what, what let you get out of that anger trough? Um, I don't know. I kind of, I think with all the case, the case took two years in court. So I think I was angry for the most part and, um, you know, tried to find ways to maybe change his life a little bit um, <laughs> while I was angry. But I don't know. I think, I think it was just getting super comfortable in my skin and getting out and about all the time. And, and realising that, you know, I can still do what I did before, just do a little bit different. So, I don't know, two years was a long time, though. Was, that's a long time to be angry, and I'm just glad I got there in the end. <laughs> and you seem pretty, like, unangry now. So we've got our first track to take for the day, and it's from Little Bastard, who are Newtown locals. Have you, you've seen them live, right, A couple Joe? of times, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Highly rate them. Highly rate them, and mm-hmm. photographed a little part of Little Bastard on the blog. <laughs> And it looks great. So this is a song from them called Desert Roller. And why did you want to why did you want to bring this song on? Um, I just think it's great to see the live music scene kind of really picking up again. Um, and I think you know the Inner West is really doing a great job in getting that happening. So and these guys are really cool. Fantastic. You're listening to out of the box on FBA. My guests today are Joe Wallace and Heidi Hayden. And here's Little Bastard. <laughs>
go back home I'm wandering through the wasteland I'm just finding on my own Local boys, little bastard, and by local I mean they're Newtown locals, much like my guest today, Joe Wallace, who's been living in Newtown for 20 years and for a couple of years now has been documenting the inhabitants of said suburb very well on Humans of Newtown. And now you've got a book. Now I've got a book. So, in fact, it was actually supposed to be a book to start with, so that was the initial plan. So I kind of procrastinated for about five years and just hoped to... um, one day get my finger out and actually write the stories and photograph people and you know it just didn't happen and then I came across the Humans of New York blog and just thought you know don't you do you do communications why didn't you think of doing it online so I just really used it as a a medium to kind of you know dump content really Mm. just kind of get the story started and at least get the project happening and really just kind of asked, you know, thought if I ask a few mates to, you know, like my page, I might end up with maybe 20, you know, really good mates that, you know, give me a bit of support and follow it. Yeah, it kind of snowballed though, didn't it? Yeah, a bit more than I ever (laughs) anticipated, which is really cool. But um, yeah, at first it was a bit overwhelming because I just kind of put it up more for me and more for just friends to have a bit of a look. And then within a month ended up with about a thousand followers, which was a bit, I don't know, I just felt really exposed. And now I think you've got... 40,000? Yeah. 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 Wow, that's pretty huge. Yeah. And that's over how long? Uh, 18 months. Great. Yeah. And so, you know, with, with, the, with the blog, you basically are approaching people in the street at random. Mostly you don't know them beforehand. Most of the time, yeah. I've always wondered because, you know, I walk up and down King Street and no one ever stops me to ask me my life story. So what is it that makes you <laughs> want to stop? That's what I'm here for now. <laughs> So uh, tables are turning. Yeah. All right. So really, though, when you're walking down the street and you spot someone and you kind of go, mm, man, I'd want to take a photo of them and I need to know a bit more about them, what, what actually attracts you to people? Um, well, it's not. I mean, the kind of subtext on the book says, you know, everyone has a story. But it's to me, I look at people and I just think, I just wonder what's going on with you. Like, I wonder what your story is. And I, there's something that just attracts me to certain people and it you know, sometimes people say, oh, you just kind of photograph the colour of Newtown. It's not. I'll, I'll go up and approach kind of older people that maybe look a little bit more reserved or, um, you know, just anyone really. And I just kind of, you know, look at people and, and, and wonder what's going on and, and think, you know, I'd love to know a little bit more about them and just go and ask them. So, How do you then um, start, uh, start talking to people, I guess, because, you know, what's your kind of interview tactic? Because the idea of actually approaching someone and just randomly reaching into their life and pulling out their story about, you know, they're struck with mental health or their their divorce or something that's really kind of left of centre, not the kind of thing that you just talk to a stranger about. How do you get to that point seemingly so quickly? There is no strategy and that's what I like about it. It's pretty random. Um, I guess for me it's, you know, with my journalist hat on, I kind of throw that away in some ways because usually as a journalist you've done your research, you know a bit about the person, you kind of have an idea of what you want to ask and where you want to go, what angle you want to take. Um, with this project, that's all out the window. So I really just go up and say good day and have a bit of a chat to them. And um, just, I think what's, I don't know, the hardest part is really kind of listening to their responses and then trying to jump ahead and cue the next question while they're still talking, thinking, where am I going to take this? Where am I going to take this? So you're kind of guiding them, but they're also guiding you. And it's just this great kind of energy that takes place, I suppose. And so now you've got the book out. Yep. And it's doing pretty well. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's second best sold at Better Red Than Dead at the moment. It is. Yeah. How how was the process of actually boiling down so many different profiles of people into a book? And and you know I think you've got 
comments included in some cases. Yeah, we do. I think it was... um I'm really quite lucky that I had um, someone kind of following me that actually approached me to publish the book and the person that approached me has a lot of experience. Um, She's now set up a a local publishing house called King Street Press and she wanted to use this book to launch her new publishing business. So both of us put our heart and souls into it and I've actually been asked by people, you know, how did it feel handing your content over to a publisher? I didn't. It wasn't like that at all. We actually sat side by side for many weekends and we went through the blog, we picked out stories, I knew intimately those stories and also the backstories, you know, and whether people, you know, how they would have felt and all that kind of stuff. So I tried to represent the people in the book as best as possible. So I had to then re-edit a lot of the stories. We then went through and cherry-picked all the best blog comments as well. We had a good laugh while we were doing it. It was (laughs) lots of fun. But there's some really great comments on there. And I think, for me, that was kind of the interesting part as well. When I first planned to do the book, it was going to be just stories about people and photographs, but it became much more than that. It was the community, and I'm talking about the local Newtown community, but the online community as well, has shaped the content of the book and that's what we it's about everyone it's not just about me or these people's stories it's everyone involved and that's what we've tried to include in the book as well it sounds like a beautiful process and I feel like you know not only more entrenched in the community as a result of doing the book I mean you've had missing people that you've been trying to help find throughout the blog and and different bits and bobs that you could help out with within the community what's one of the examples of someone who you might have profiled that through giving them a bit of exposure through the blog you might have been able to kind of you know benefit um there's been a couple actually and you get really good feedback and obviously you get you know private messages sent through which are really great so I think um you know the girl that was looking for her long lost brother that I don't know if they actually ever um, found each other but just helping her was a really cool process and I think you know she needed someone here she'd arrived from the UK and she you know she needed someone to help her and support her with that she had no friends or family here to support her in the process so I kind of helped her with that um separately I you know uh, profiled an artist who wrote to me and said basically my business has launched through being profiled on there which is really great for her I love you know doing things like that and helping people as well and what about that framer as a guy as a framing business yeah so I'm actually a bit worried about him because I haven't seen him for about six months um he was amazing I used to walk past him all the time and just thought he was a guy kind of selling his framed pictures on King Street and I stopped and started chatting to him one day and he's just such a gorgeous guy he's really beautiful he um told me why he started framing and basically he'd had a series of strokes he used to work in a bank he had a series of strokes and um lost his balance so he couldn't stand up anymore and his therapist said to him if you want to improve your balance you have to improve your hand-eye coordination so she said go away and find something that will enable you to do that so he started framing and he used to walk up to King Street with his walking frame carrying his framed prints up selling them and I'm sure a lot of people in Newtown have bought stuff from him and um, when I interviewed him he had his uh, walking stick leaning against the wall and he said I can stand here on my own now the framing and so people in the community buying his prints have actually helped him be able to stand up that's amazing yeah it's amazing and so now you've got an event that's coming up. Is it tonight? And there's one on the weekend as well. So tonight we've got a, a more intimate event, um, which is at Better Red Than Dead. So we've just got a, a launch taking place up there at six o'clock, which is great. And then on Saturday, um, a far less intimate event. Yeah, the, the <laughs> a lot big more random event. Motley affair. <laughs> um, which is from 12 till six at Newtown Social Club. And we're just basically trying to bring the blog and the book to life. So we've got as many people as possible that can perform or have kind of art or craft or whatever to sell that will be there. So we've got like a little kind of market section taking place with yeah. local artisans selling their their produce or their um, artwork or whatever. Yeah, the we've actual got humans of Newtown. The humans of Newtown. <laughs> we've got live artists, um, you know, doing live artwork on the day and musicians and razor, bla- razor blades, swallowers, hula hoopers, the whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So that's what you need. Yeah. Um, so now we've got time for a track. It's The Cramps, which I'm so pleased that you've brought on the Yay, show. I'm so excited. <laughs> so which, which exact song and, and why this song? Um, Why this song? Well, basically, I saw them a long, long time ago. Um, And now you can't see them anymore? Lux Interior is no longer with us? No, sadly. So lucky Um, you. Yeah, so we 
saw them way back over in Day Y and it was just a wild night. It was just lots of fun. They're probably one of the wildest bands I've ever seen. I used to go and see a lot of live music, still do. Um, and for me, I chose this song. I sadly lost a friend to breast cancer, I don't know, a year or two ago. And she kind of, her big message was that we just don't seem to have enough fun. We just don't do things for shits and giggles mm-hmm. enough. And to me, this band represents just a really fun night out. The track is called Can Your Pussy Do The Dog by The Cramps. My guests on Out of the Box today are Joe Wallace and Heidi Hayden, who you hear from in a second. on FBI.
Listening to Out of the Box on FBI 94.5. My guests today are Joe Wallace and Heidi Hayden. Joe brought in the track that you heard a moment ago from the Cramps and just then was brought in by Heidi Hayden. Who was it? Gaslight Anthem. Sigh. Most attractive frontman of all time. Very much so. Sorry to the boyfriend <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> so why do you want to bring that song on? What, what time in your life does it kind of remind you of? That kind of uh, reminded me of my... I was in a six-year relationship prior to my injury maybe a few months earlier. And and you know what? It just it just kind of ended up not being good, yep. <laughs> to say the least. Um, How did you know when to draw a line? It was just all too much and it just it just all snowballed and it was really bad and and I just went, you know what? Uh, it's got to be done. Pulled the plug? Yeah, just pulled it and, and turned my totally turned my life around and my life was so awesome and I was right on track and getting a career sorted and then everything changed. Oh, damn it. <laughs> but I mean, you know, of all, of all like pulling the plug in a relationship, moments that's a really good song to pull the plug to 45 yeah. by, uh, by the gaslight anthem so when you're thinking everything changed you were gonna become a hairdresser right yeah i was doing um salon management and hairdressing so i was kind of gonna come out of that and you know my whole dream was to manage my own salon and one day own it um but yeah they changed pretty quick yeah. i think i was only a few months into that and then it was like nah you know, I'd taken 22 years to decide what I finally want to do. And my mother was like, yay, you know, you've got a path and you're going to be someone. And then the universe went, mm, no, mm. not today. Well, let's talk a bit about the day the universe said no. Yeah. So you, what was the day like any other when this happened, when your accident happened? It was really weird. It, it, my mum and I were riding our motorbikes. She rides as well. And that's, that's so cool. Can I just say yeah, that? Like, she's been riding for years and she's she's just awesome. She's such a champion. Um, but, you know, we, we were just out riding for the day. It was an awesome sunny day. And I, and I think now, when I looked at it after my injury, it actually lined up and was ready for me to go. So, you know, we, we were just riding and then on our way home, we saw this massive bus crash and we stopped and, and offered a bit of help. And the Ambo said, no, nah, all good. You can go, go about your way. And so... We kind of stopped at a pub and just because it was so hot, we just needed a cold drink. And then we were talking about, I said, oh, you know, I know someone that got hit by a car here and you just have to go limp and you'll be sweet. And then and then we left from there and then that's that's when it all happened and it, and it was ready. It was just lined up, ready to go. And wow. Yeah. <laughs> so you were riding alone after you'd parted ways with your mum and... When did you realize that you were about to be hit? I didn't, you know, I was I was coming up to this roundabout and and I was turning right and I saw this ute coming from my left and could see him for ages, really open area. And um I I was like, "Cool, I'll I'll turn right because he he has to give way anyway." And and I didn't even know until he he just hit me because I remember all the force on my left side and then I just and then it was just out. I don't even I don't even remember thinking anything like oh he's going to hit me it just it just happened it was crazy was it kind of a, a moment of panic or one of those like weirdly quiet chaos moments 
super quiet. Like I don't remember anything that really happened. And it turned out the ambulance that came and got me was the one from the bus crash. It was the same guy. Wow. So he'd seen me on one moment and then like this and apparently I was coherent. I was chatting away to everybody, but I don't remember any of that. I just remember little bits in between and that's about it. Did you kind of have any thoughts about, you know, what was happening to you then? What your physical state was? Any clues? No, the only thing for me was that I remember trying to cough. That That's it for me. Mm. But they, they pretty much realised it straight off the bat, I think, that, that I couldn't feel anything. So at that point, were you kind of out? Yeah. Lights well, out? I was out in my own mind, but I was talking the whole time to everybody. So, so from my mum's perspective, who kind of came in maybe like a few minutes later, she remembers me talking the whole time, whereas I don't. I just kind of was in and out of it. Interesting. And so then you'd been taken off to the hospital? Yes. I was taken to Wollongong Hospital because that's where it originally happened. And then I got um, a helicopter up to Sydney um, to Prince Wales Hospital where the spinal unit is. And and that was where I kind of woke up in ICU and felt my legs and went, this something's not right because I can't feel it. It just feels like I'm touching someone else. Um, and that's when the doctor said, yeah, you're never going to walk again. And your spinal cord's completely obliterated. And I was like, right. Oh, that's a bit frank. <laughs> yeah, they were, they're so frank about it. Good it's, Lord. it's not even funny. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, that's, that's when I found out I was T4, complete paraplegic, um, complete meaning I've got no movement, no normal sensation from my injury down. So it's pretty much chest tight. Does that mean that you still can't cough? Yeah, no trunk muscles. So I do baby coughs and baby sneezes and <laughs> no satisfaction. Oh, no. I should have put that song. <laughs> um, yeah, all the simple things that you don't even realise you use trunk muscles for, you know, balancing, eating, um, doing my hair. I have to do it all different. Oh, dang. Yeah. Well, we've got a song to take in a second and it is by Perfect People. Now, why did you want to bring this Perfect People song on? Because I think it's from a time in your life just following the accident. Right? Yeah. I, perfect People, What You're Told, uh, listened to in hospital and listened to it every single day. And it was pretty much, um, you know, the lines in it are never do what you're told. Uh, and I was I was caused a bit of havoc when I was in rehab. So, and I think everyone will vouch for that that worked with me in there. But um, <laughs> Wait, what, what, what did you do? What were you like? I was just naughty and I think once I started getting really independent and, you know, if people, if I heard my curtain move at 7am to wake me up, I was like, no, <laughs> get out, no way. Um, and just, just did whatever I wanted. You know, I attended all my therapies and stuff, but in terms of everything else, I went to the pub all the time and just have fun and it was just really cool. And that, and you know, that song did it for me, so... So this is a song from During Rehab. We'll talk a bit more about that in a second. So here it is. It's Perfect People, What You Told on Out of the Box. Heidi Hayden's my guest today, and so is Joe Wallace, who is the creator of Humans of Newtown, which is how this entire show happened, because you were interviewed in the street. <laughs> now let's take that track. Oh, 
You're tuned in to Out of the Box on FBI 94.5, the best station in Sydney. And I have a couple of the best peeps in Sydney on the show today, Joe Wallace and Heidi Hayden. Heidi Hayden brought on that song you just heard then, and it was by Perfect People, which is a pretty good name for a band. I mean, like, you know, not yeah. bragging or anything. Yeah, no, just Perfect what? People. <laughs> Actually, you know these Perfect People now. How, yeah. did, how did you come across them? Oh, it's really weird. When I was in rehab, I didn't want to talk to anyone or listen to any music that was kind of in my prior life so I kind of um went on the net and was like what's some other music that I can listen to and and found these guys and and the lead singer Stefan Abingdon he has a parody band called the Midnight Beast as well so I found them and and just cracked me up it was like the only thing that made me laugh so I wrote to them and just said you know what all through rehab I said without you guys I don't think I would have made it and and get back into music again and so we always communicated on Twitter all the time on Facebook, and then all of a sudden I said, "Oh, I should come over there one day." Aha! Yeah. <laughs> like not likely to the UK, and then. No, um, but why not? Oh, because I never thought. I don't know. I was in a position where I thought, like, I can't do anything now. You so can't travel if, in a wheelchair. Yeah, as if I I'm going to travel. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then I think two years later, I said, "Well, I'm coming." And I'm coming to London for two weeks. What are you doing? And and they had their tour on. So it, it was mad. It was just the coolest experience and, and like the epitome of social media. It's making mates and people that are really good mates now and, and just having a huge influence on my life big time. That's awesome. And you've got a, a couple of tattoos there. Yeah. Are they are perfect people relevant? They are. The two li- two lots of lyrics I have, there's one... I love it how you break the mold, refuse to be controlled, never do what you're told, which is like my motto pretty much. Um, and the other one is they're silver and you're gold, they're faded where you're bold, never do what you're told. Um, but it's cool. They're like my little mottos and that I kind of live by. <laughs> That's awesome. And it's interesting, you've, you've been through the rehab process after after the accident and, you know, that's probably one of the most emotional times. You're grieving a, a life that you had moving on to a new one, especially, you know, being training for being a hairdresser of all things is kind of like one of those things that you really can't do very well from a from a chair yeah yeah and no trunk muscles and I'll just stab people with scissors if I want to cut their (laughs) hair now because I've got no balance but yeah huge it's pretty much you go through the five stages of grief um is it five I think so yeah yeah no there's various models five (laughs) (laughs) but you go through the same stages of grief that you would with anything else um and it and it's massive and it really takes a toll on your brain and and mentally it's hard to get back to where you were before you know it's all well and good to be medically stable and and ready to go out but you know my head took a long time good couple of years I guess it puts you in a pretty good position to help people who've had spinal injuries that then you can help get there. Is that is that an interesting process? Kind of being outside of that space where you're where you're grieving, and then watching people grieve in a very similar way to you. Yeah, it's really weird now when I when I work on the wards and meet their family and their friends as well. You know, because we're not just there for the the people with the injury; we're there for everyone they're connected to. And it's really weird to watch now because I f- kind of forget about that whole experience and it's not till I do that where I go oh that's right I remember that and I remember feeling horrible and and you see the support network and you know and there's nothing that they can do you know all they can do is let us know that they're there 100% of the time. So what are what are people going through that you might not expect when you know they're they're learning how to use their their wheels? Well I suppose the way I explain it is I took 22 years to become the woman that I was um, and love myself and be happy with that. And then someone took that away in, in a matter of seconds. So, you know, you you pretty much start from the bottom and work your way up and, and find out who you even are. And it gives you a chance to pull your life apart and, and figure out what's really important. So it's interesting to watch people change and and grow it's like growing from children they're growing and you know by the time they leave I'm like I'm so proud of you you can do everything now but it's really really cool I'm fortunate enough to be in that position which is it's good and when you were profiled by Joe here for humans of Newtown what was the response like it was heaps cool I I definitely didn't think it was going to be like it was and it was touching you know because I just go about my life and do my own thing and 
it was nice to see that there's such a big support network um, and people are so cool. I love people. I love humans. <laughs> it's mad. <laughs> Especially humans of yeah, Newtown. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a coincidence. <laughs> so, so with humans of Newtown, I mean, you, you're digging into people's lives pretty quickly over a short space of time. Is there something that kind of crops up very frequently that people tend to tend to take as a big chapter from their lives? That they Yeah, I have yeah. to say that was one of the things. I mean, there are a number of things. When I first started the project, as I said, it was supposed to be a book to start with and then went online. So I wasn't really quite prepared for any responses or what it might bring up or overall themes and all that kind of stuff. I hadn't really thought about what might come out of it. I just did it. And... Um, it did surprise me pretty early on that a lot of people are suffering from mental health issues um, and that became a very consistent theme a lot of the time, which in some ways was quite sad that so many people are, but the flip side is it's so fabulous that so many people are prepared to talk about it and then the responses that people give as well through the blog have been really awesome as well. And I've had like, you know, especially with stories like that, I really closely monitor the responses. Um, you don't want anyone to come out being like, you're, you know, this, that and the other. Yeah, I have a no dicks policy. Yeah, okay, that's, that's really effective. <laughs> if you're a dick, you're deleted. <laughs> um, so, but especially when someone's, you know, shared a pretty, a pretty deep and meaningful kind of thing and a pretty personal kind of part of their life. So I really monitor closely what people are saying. Your full-time um, job. It can be. It can be if the post goes, um, you know, pretty nuts. Viral, you've got yeah. to watch it as well. But... Um, yeah, I've had some people even comment and say, thank you so much for posting this because I remember one girl actually wrote that she was about to go um, some, you know, go away for a while and get some help for mental health issues and she said, this has really helped me a lot. So just that kind of stuff, it's like one little comment and you think, wow, this has meant so much to you by yeah. someone else sharing their story. Imagine if we all talked to each other a lot more about this kind of stuff and had it out there a lot more. It would be, you know, a lot easier for people to discuss and and work through their their issues totally hopefully you know things like humans of newtown does enable that does enable people to go oh well you know just me looking at you on the street that's not that's not all there is to you so we've got a track to take right now and it's umi so which track did you want to bring on um berlin chair um it, again it just reminded me of when i first saw umi i actually saw them I grew up on the Northern Beaches, so I, I saw them over there and they were a support band to the Violent Femmes and a mate of mine said to me, oh, you should check out this band, they're pretty good. And so there were about hmm, not even a dozen of us watching UMI. Wow. And yeah, they're pretty cool. Um, to sitting on stage with them and playing guitar with Tim Rogers at the Manly Vale Hotel one night, which was pretty cool. Oh, awesome. Um, but I just also chose it because I think, um, you know, obviously they're a local band, but Tim Rogers has, um, I don't know, he's he's kept relevant. He's, you know reinvented himself a few times, done a few different things and done an amazing job. And one of those things was actually getting out and talking about mental health issues a little while back. So, Awesome. Let's take that song right now on Out of the Box, FBI 94.5. My name's Ash Bertabez and my guests today are Joe Wallace, Humans of Newtown creator, and Heidi Hayden. So uh, here it is, Berlin Chair. If I think what I'm saying, think what I'm saying is true.
the box. Meet people through their music on FBI. listening to FBI 94.5 and it is out of the box on your radio at the moment. Starts at midday every day and we do podcasts so you can always uh, listen back to a show if you missed a bit. We are on every good podcast app. It just kind of comes through if you search out of the box with a little blue box. And today on the show we've had Joe Wallace and Heidi Hayden for the past almost an hour and lots of great tracks in the mix as well which you can check out on the uh, on the FBI website what they were called. And uh, so, Heidi, you are, you, 
I read this thing online and it was kind of your experience of taking someone who had just been out of rehab for um, not being able to walk anymore. He's just learning how to get around town yeah. in, in, a, in a wheelchair. And you went out for a bit of a, a, a day date uh, with, with the fam. Can you, can you tell the, the story of how yeah. that unfolded? Well, we, hold, we, we, do like, we do events with people with physical disabilities twice a month. And this one, we decided to go ice skating. And, you know, before everything, we always do a bit of research because um, I definitely don't want to show up somewhere and not be able to do it or get in or whatever. And, you know, I, I did heaps of research and was under the impression that it would be all good and we could get on the rink and we got there and we couldn't. So it, it was just a huge, you know, I think the whole, my whole message from it all was more if you say it's accessible, then let it be accessible. That's all, you know, like I know that we have to do things different and it's quite obvious we're different to everybody else. So... But also, I mean, you know, it wasn't just the fact that it wasn't accessible. It was kind of, you know, someone say, stepped in to save the day from a completely different organisation at yeah. the 11th hour to try well, and help you guys on the on the rink. And then, you know, what what was that like? It's kind of like we've fought so hard to, to get here, but does it feel like a victory? Uh, yes and no, because we finally got on, but um, they kind of just left us on our own and... Um which was a bit weird because like we not having w- other people skating yeah, with you on the rink. Yeah, yeah. And, and he and his family they'd all they'd all spent the first session skating, so they weren't on there, and it was just us, and it was just super awkward. Um, you know, we got there in the end, but I think it's more about being a bit more prepared. You know, a portable ramp, it's like a hundred bucks. You know, you can <laughs> just have it waiting yeah. in an office that's around the corner. Like so, that that's my big thing, and you know, we come across that stuff all the time, but mm. it is what it is and I think I think my whole thing from that is definitely stemmed from humans in Newtown because you know I like to say all the time now we're we're the same as you we're just humans we just do things a little bit different and it's not that hard to kind of make things a little bit accessible or help us out. Yeah. And you've got you've got a kind of uh, two different pages running that are, are kind of Wall, a wall of shame and a wall of a wall of glory for accessibility on Facebook. So people who actually do need to know about accessibility and or want to tell people about other more accessible spaces or yeah. inaccessible spaces can go there. Yeah, someone else runs the disability wall of shame, which is awesome. Uh, so because, you run the positive one. Yeah, well, <laughs> and I think there should be both totally. because I think, you know, people need to keep up with the times. We go places and we do things, so why can't mm. we enjoy that? And then I, I just thought it was important to make one of recognition because there's so many small businesses and big ones out there that make the effort to make things really accessible and easy. And it's awesome because it's just random stuff like someone helped me pump petrol at the petrol station because I couldn't, you know, it's such an effort for us to get out of the car with our chairs. Mm-hmm. So something that's small was just thought it would be cool to recognise all those places that's awesome yeah. and what about what about with venues the venues in sydney usually pretty good for accessibility because you, you like live music yeah they're they're getting really really good much better and more is better than ever now so when when i first went there it was like a death drop down a ramp <laughs> at like a one degree angle and i was like oh god um but no it's really good now and everyone's awesome and if there's stairs they just grab four big burly blokes and up we go and it's so easy <laughs> nice. and see that's what i like it doesn't necessarily have to be you know a ramp with like perfect official, accessibility yeah. yeah but just offer a bit of help and that's what the cool part is about it everyone coming together <laughs> awesome so you you work with spinal cord injuries australia and you guys have a couple of events every month what what kind of happens with those events they, um, who are they for? Yeah, they're they're for anyone with physical disabilities. Um, there's a lot of us with spinal cord injuries, but it's just to get people social and um, get people comfortable in their skin because we, you know, we're all silly buggers, so we just have fun doing whatever we're doing. But yeah, awesome. And anyway. so, how can people find out more about those if they're interested? You can go on to our Facebook page, Spinal Cord Injuries Australia, um, and then all the events are in there. They can just sign up and. Awesome. In. And there's a little fundraiser that we should probably mention as well. Yes. And it's coming up in October. It's a yes. bit of an interesting concept. Yeah, my brother started it um, or came up with the concept a few years ago. I think this will be our third year running it. Um, and he just said, look, I want to do something and and I want to raise money. And he's a musician. So he said, why don't we do something like sing for spinal cord injury? And I was like, I'm cool with that. So <laughs> Yeah, so, so this, you know, the money's raised... The first time went to someone else, but this year it's going to Spinal Cord Injuries Australia. But I suppose the whole thing is uh, my brother and a few other musicians and anyone else that wants to join in are going to record 
and upload a cover song for every day of October. So it's going to be a big challenge for them and it's always hard work, but it's just purely to raise money and people can request their own song. So, yeah. That is awesome. All right. And and if people are free on the weekend and they want to do something in the Newtown area, well, Joe's got you covered. Joe's, what's going on? So we've got the um, book launch, so Humans of Newtown Live, happening at Newtown Social Club, which is very accessible. It's one of the reasons we chose that venue. um, And they've been really awesome. They've been really great. Um, So we've got lots of different acts, musicians, we've got a little market kind of thing happening there as well, some live artwork going on, all sorts of things. It goes from 12 till 6 on Saturday. Awesome. It's so great having you guys on today. I've had a lovely time. And we've got time for one more song. But, I mean, our choice is Tool, which... You know, they're pretty well known for having maybe incredibly long songs. <laughs> and then we've also got Nirvana. So how are we going to do this? Because one's kind of your track, Joe, and one's I kind of yours, Nirvana. Heidi. Fight to the death. I rec- <laughs> I'll win, but I reckon Nirvana. <laughs> <You're on. laughs> All right, you know what? Let's do it. Let's, let's whack on Nirvana. Thanks so much, guys, for coming on Out of the Box. Thanks. Had a ball. Thanks, Ash. Next up, you've got Beth coming in for your lunch needs. Good music for two hours.